What's going on, everybody? RJ Joey here from SB Nation's bloggingtheboys.com. Your home for Dallas Cowboys coverage over at SB Nation. This is, of course, Monday, Football Monday, the best show on the SB Nation NFL show. Football is back. It is time for the preseason, which means it is time for us to roll out our full catalog of content for you here at the SB Nation NFL show. You know, Monday, Football Monday, of course, with myself and Pete Sweeney. We are doing things a bit differently this season. We will be live streaming every single episode, which is why if you're joining us now on the SB Nation NFL Facebook page or the SB Nation NFL Twitter account, you can watch along. You can also obviously listen to this show as a podcast. Pete, uh, we had a big old production meeting about how every episode is going to be live now, and he chose to be late for the very first episode. So classic Pete Sweeney, uh, he should be here late. We do have a guest that we'll get to in a moment. Uh, tomorrow on Tuesday, you get the off-day debrief, as you always have. On Wednesday, a new show here at the SB Nation NFL show, NFL University. On Thursday, you can hear myself again with Rob Stats Guerra on The Look Ahead. And on Friday, we have a new show called NFL Reacts. We do, of course, have the NFL Daily Kickoff every day to catch you up on all the biggest news, uh, storylines, whatever's going on in the world of the National Football League. There is a very big story happening right now in the NFL. Uh, and so, you know, to discuss it, we brought in somebody who knows it better than anybody else. Carson Wentz, Indianapolis Colts quarterback, is injured, is going to be having surgery. So we have brought in our friend Chris Blystone from SB Nation. Stampede Blue, your home for Indianapolis Colts content. Chris, I know this is, you know, I emailed you this morning. Could you come on? It's a live show. There's a lot of things happening, uh, but it's great to be with you. Great to be in your company. Uh, what'd you have for lunch? Uh, well, I had a weird mishmash of things. I was running around. I got your email and I had to grab some uh, some fast food on the go, which is just always what you want to uh, to kick off the podcast. But hey, what are you going to do? Uh, I'm, I'm here. I'm available. That's that's the most important thing, more than you can say for Carson Wentz. What, what was the fast food before we get to dogging on Carson Wentz? Is that a Mountain uh, Dew right that, now? Is that, that the that energy we're going for? That is a Sprite. That is no caffeine. That is the sign of old age right there. No caffeine. Uh, no, I had McDonald's. I gotta, I gotta like cool it for the rest of the day now because that it, it's good, but uh, it's not great. So, uh, well, okay. Uh, I still think even though you had McDonald's, your health is in better shape than Carson Wentz, who uh, we found out on Monday. This was a really long story. Uh, I'm sure it felt longer for Stampede Blue fans over the weekend uh, as Carson Wentz's injury status kind of unfolded. Initially, Thursday's practice, things didn't feel right. Then there was, it's not a big deal. Uh, it's kind of a big deal. He may have surgery. Adam Schefter was the first person I saw that threw out the term season ending, which I'm sure spooked a lot of Colts fans. Uh, but on Monday, as you mentioned, it was finally reported that Wentz is set to undergo foot surgery. He's set to be out between five and 12 weeks. That's a really wide range. Your first thoughts, Chris, when you found out that Carson Wentz is undergoing the knife? Well, to be honest, most Colts fans were already freaking out when the team started using the term no timetable because that was what they used the entirety of the Andrew Luck saga. And we always uh, we just have PTSD still from that. Um, so I think there's a pretty good amount of uh, doom and gloom as soon as that that phrase started getting bandied about. But then when we hit uh, the five to 12 week timeline, uh, I put almost no stock in those numbers just because the Colts have not always been forthright about the timetable to expect with players in terms of their return uh, or injuries in general. And the, the thing I felt, and I think some Colts fans felt this way, was actually a little bit of relief um, because this might actually enable the Colts to get off the hook uh, from giving up a first round pick for Carson Wentz. I am not one of those people who's been on that particular bandwagon. Um, and, and I think that if nothing else, maybe it enables them to miss out on having to give up 
a first round pick for a guy who who has injury problems and obviously had very suspect play last year. So uh, I don't know that that's the universal thought. I know there's probably a pretty diverse reaction. We're still early in camp. There hasn't been enough maybe seen of him to know. Uh, there's there's not been really a lot of hype train to build up, I guess. Uh, it would be the easy way to say it. So I'd say there's probably a wide range of opinions. Uh, but right now, mine is a little bit of relief because I think maybe that means you salvage some of the draft capital. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that it's, it's certainly arguable that the sector of people who are most upset by this news might be Philadelphia Eagles fans because they might see that first round pick fleeting away from them. Uh, in case anybody forgot, Carson Wentz does have to play 70% of snaps this season for the Colts uh, in order for Philadelphia to get Indianapolis's first round pick in 2022. Obviously, we don't know the totality of snaps at this point in time that the season's going to have, but uh, just doing the kind of math when it comes to games, Carson Wentz would actually have to return in 10 weeks and then play all of the season from that point on to play 70 percent uh, at least of total games for the Colts this season um, and that's and that's actually 70 percent and the playoffs is 75 75 percent right. if they do not make the playoffs so so yeah all the more reason to believe that a first round pick is fleeting for Philadelphia uh, you mentioned it and I think that that's what makes this story a little bit more particular is the Colts's history with quarterbacks and not necessarily I don't want to say not reporting the total truth but maybe muddying the truth they were obviously very uh, kept things close to the vest with Peyton Manning in 2011 kept things very close to the vest with Andrew Luck a number of different times. Does this feel like that, or is this a little bit different because Carson is so new to the team, um, or or is it all just this kind of conglomerate of funk because of everything that's happened with the quarterback position of this team over the last five years? I think it feels different, but I think that fans are going to perceive it similarly. Just because of the the history, I think that they're in this situation, it seems like it's happened so quickly that I have a hard time believing that if the Colts knew about this injury, they would have traded what they did for him. Uh, they would have put, you know, Frank Reich's basically putting his reputation on the line here with Carson Wentz. I don't I don't think they would have done that knowingly. So it doesn't feel quite the same, but it obviously causes some of the same emotional responses for Colts fans. And and maybe more importantly, it almost doesn't matter because this is a guy who desperately needed to play. He had a terrible 2020. Um, he needed training camp. He needed a chance to build confidence and some rapport with receivers. So best case scenario for Colts fans, this should be really upsetting because if he is as healthy as, you know, as they could hope and five weeks is the real turnaround timeline and he doesn't miss any time. I mean, you're you're really getting yourself into a little bit of a bind because he just doesn't have, he's going to come straight in and start, you know, right from week one. Um, that's not what that the player that we saw in 2020 needs more time than that. And I just think it's going to be best case scenario. Now it's going to be difficult for them. Yeah. I don't know if you play any golf, Chris, I'm a big golfer myself. Um, and so like my, actually the round I played yesterday, um, I went out there, say, you know what, I'm not going to keep score today. It's just, you know, fun, casual Sunday round. Um, and then, you know, first hole, didn't go great. And, you know, that's I said, hey, you know, that's what this round is. This round's for fun. And this kind of feels like that. It, it kind of feels like, you know, first shot off the tee is a big slice to the right here for the Colts this season. But that does allow you this freedom. You, you mentioned the word relief to kind of just feel like, you know what, like this season now could be about sampling, right? Could be about identifying whether Carson Wentz really is the quarterback for the future of this team. Maybe it's Jacob Eason. Maybe it's somebody else, as, as Bill Hall noted in our chat on, on our Facebook feed. Um, but and, and now you don't – I mean, I think we all thought the moment this trade happened, well, what if he plays the entirety of the season and, and he's just not that great, then you've cost yourself a first-round pick. I don't want to call this a blessing in disguise that, that feels a little bit too optimistic for me, but it does feel like you kind of have the best of both worlds. That might be the lipstick on a pig way to put it. 
Yeah, I, for me, I think the thing that's a little odd, and this has been a confusing thing really since the trade took place, um, the Colts didn't pursue, and the thing that they did when they they let Peyton Manning walk, one of the things that Jim Irsay stressed uh, was that they weren't going to find themselves in a position where they were not going to have a good backup. And that's exactly where they find themselves. Now, they they <laughs> they went through with that with Andrew Luck. They had uh, Matt Hasselbeck, who, who played really well as a backup, and Jacoby Brissett. Um, but they find themselves right back in that spot. The, the guys they have backing up Carson Wentz are two guys who have never played an NFL snap. You've got Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger. And um, that's that's a bad spot to find yourself. As far as, like you said, it's maybe the lipstick on a pig kind of a moment here. But if you're wanting good, entertaining football, this is a pretty devastating thing for the Colts fans. Uh, I'm thinking a little bit in the bigger picture when I'm thinking about it that I was not optimistic about Wentz anyway. But but if you thought Wentz was going to do well, this is a real blow because there's not anybody to back him up. You're relying on the whole rest of your team to carry these young quarterbacks, and they're completely unknown. Neither of them has played any NFL snaps. Jacob Eason didn't spend any time uh, really getting practice snaps last year, especially given COVID and some of the restrictions in terms of uh, of how practices went. He just he didn't have the kind of year you'd want a second-year quarterback who's suddenly going to have to maybe step in and, and take game snaps to have. So it's, it's definitely going to be difficult and weird that the Colts put themselves in this position again. Uh, after kind of declaring that was not going to be something they would end up in. Yeah, I think that if there's a, a point of question happening, I, the, the Colts are such an interesting franchise in terms of where they've been in the Frank Reich era. And I think a lot of people gave them such a, a deserved benefit of the doubt at the beginning of the year and obviously went to the playoffs and were a great team that first season. And then since then, it's just kind of been constantly being behind the eight ball. But now I feel like there, there might be a, a sense of impatience among Colts fans. And some of that might be just attrition from from this same problem or, or what feels like this same problem, this this lack of a quarterback, this lack of sustainability. And so I think, you know, if, if two Colts fans are, you know, that's the worst like way to begin a joke ever. Two Colts fans walk into a bar. But um, if two Colts fans are arguing, if if you and some of the staff over at Stampede Blue, by the way, everybody check out StampedeBlue.com, SB Nation's home once again for Indianapolis Colts content. Um, and you're asking, how did they get into this situation? I think you have to at some point point the finger back to Frank Reich, who actually, I mean, welcome back, Frank Reich, who was, you know, out due to COVID, uh, comes back into this firestorm. I, I feel for him in the sense that he's never truly had a, a stable environment in Indianapolis. But, I mean, this is his fault, right? And and you can't blame him for Carson Wentz getting injured, but you kind of can't. I mean, this was a little bit predictable in a lot of senses. Yeah, I mean, it's not like this is this is a guy who's only played two full seasons as an NFL pro out of his five. He's he's spent his career injured, and it was a question I asked back in I think May. I was profiling the position groups, and the quarterback question I had was: even if you assume that Carson Wentz is really good, and I don't know that that's a good assumption, but even if you make that assumption, um, you're still running the risk of having a guy who has not made it through a season, but for twice. Um, you have no backup for him. And so what happens if he goes down for three games? And, you know, we're talking about him coming back and playing the season without any injuries or any other issues. Um, that's not a good assumption either. So there's a good chance that he's just missing time out of the front and he could still end up injured. And you're still in that same spot where you've got no viable backup. And I don't know that you're in a position to go out and get one now. Um, they they did sign Brett Hundley and, you know, he's, he backed up Aaron Rodgers when he was injured in 2017. And that's your that's your experience on your team right now. And if you're a Colts fan, hearing the name Brett Hundley is not I mean, the, the thing that it makes me think of is immediately the laundry list of guys that backed up Peyton Manning. I'm thinking Curtis Painter and hearing that and going, maybe this could be our Curtis Painter. Could Brett Hundley make this team bad enough that the Colts could not be stuck in? in quarterback purgatory in the foreseeable future. 
Um, those are the kind of things coming through my mind. I don't know. Um, I don't know what what your average Colts fan is thinking. Maybe they're not thinking like me. I think sometimes we're a little more optimistic. I'm I'm usually more of the optimist at this time of year. I'm I'm having a hard time doing that even uh, prior to this. But but yeah, there's a lot of questions unanswered, and I do think a lot of that falls on Frank Reich. And and a little bit on Chris Ballard, who, you know, I think deservedly gets a lot of credit and has done a lot of really good things. But I mean, they took the swing on Carson Wentz. And if you're going to do that, I think you got to be better prepared uh, for some of the things that come with it. And this is one of those things. You mentioned that Brett Hundley backed up Aaron Rodgers, obviously, early on in his NFL career. I feel like the day of the NFL draft on the Rodgers bomb really kind of took off and everybody you know, started connecting over the Denver Broncos. There had to have been a lot of Colts fans who at the time, even predating this Carson Wentz news, thought, well, if Aaron Rodgers was available, why did we swing at Carson Wentz? Bill Hall on our Facebook stream mentioned, in my opinion, we should have gone for Matthew Stafford and Carson Wentz. It, I mean, this was the the unique thing about this this marriage, if you will, uh, is it was so predictable. The, the moment it became you know, incredibly obvious that Carson Wentz wanted out of Philadelphia, everybody connected him to Chicago and Indianapolis, and obviously Chicago had Nick Foles. And so do you think that there, there was a sense of hubris? There was a sense of, you know, ar- arrogance is a heavy word, but of we've got Frank Reich. We've, we've got the thing that Carson Wentz needs. So, you know, and, and again, maybe the Colts pursued Matthew Stafford. Maybe the Colts, you know, checked in on Aaron Rodgers, whatever the case may be. And maybe they truly ultimately settled for Carson Wentz. But do you feel like that that this might have might have been them getting off on the wrong foot? No pun intended, given today's news. Yeah, honestly, I think it's a case of them. Um, I mean, well, we know that coaches and general managers and, and anybody in football personnel has to have an ego because they're asked to do these ridiculous tasks, take these players and make them great. And I think this is maybe an instance of the Colts kind of buying into their own hype in terms of, you know, I mean, they did it last year. Everybody right. said that Philip Rivers was was done, was washed up. Frank Reich believed in this guy that he knew that he had coached. He brought him in and thought, I can make this happen. And they did. Philip Rivers played really well. Um, I think he could have played another year. I would personally be calling him and asking if he really <laughs> wants to coach high school football or if he would really like to play for like half a season and come in. Um, because I would have preferred another year of Philip Rivers to an experiment with Carson Wentz personally. Um, obviously, the Colts didn't feel that way. Or, or Philip Rivers just didn't feel like sticking around for another year for what they wanted to pay him. I don't know the details there. But, I mean, you're looking at a situation where they did it once and it worked. And so I think they probably thought a little bit, well, we've, we've done this successfully. Philip Rivers was a, was a good result. We didn't do as well as we wanted to in some ways. But, um, but we could run this back. Frank Reich made it work once. I'm sure he could do it again with a, a young, talented quarterback who obviously has had some really high highs. Um, and so I, I don't know, maybe they're not wrong. Maybe had he stayed healthy, he would have been excellent. I have, obviously we don't know, but, um, I think it was a little bit of that, of them just believing that, Hey, he's done it once he can do it again. And, uh, so we're going to go with our guy and, and stick with Carson Wentz. That's kind of my feeling of things. And to be fair, and I know you, you know this, obviously, but he still could be that right. And, and, and I think the other thing to be fair is, you know, well, you know, if he had stayed, if he hadn't gotten hurt, well, this was. Again, you don't want to apply this, you know, uh, this descriptor to anybody ever. Uh, But if there was one quarterback in the NFL who you could kind of bank on getting hurt or you shouldn't bank on staying healthy for an entire season, let alone a regular season that's now been extended. Carson Wentz certainly would have been, I think, one of the leaders in that conversation. Uh, I brought up Nick Foles and I know, you know, Chris the natural connection that many people have made is let's trade for Nick Foles now uh, among Colts fans. Your thoughts on that? Uh, you're shaking your head for those that are watching. Is that is that like the new annoying thing? Is that the new Andrew Luck's going to come out of retirement story for Colts fans? 
Uh, I'm not sure it's that annoying, um, <laughs> but but man, I can't think of a thing I want less than to trade for Nick Foles. Um, Nick Foles is not the magic bullet. He he just man, the guy has some infer- he's a great for him for playing some good games and extending his career and obviously having that crazy Super Bowl run that was wonderful for the for the Eagles and and uh, beating you know my least favorite team in the NFL and uh, you know great for him. Um, for for winning himself a lot of money through those good games, but he is not the answer to any of these things. He is a backup quarterback at best, and he is not the guy that I want to be brought in. I don't want the Colts to honestly. I don't really want the Colts to spend draft capital at all on any player to bring them in. Um, I I don't know. They put themselves in a bad spot at this point. I'm not sure that there's a lot they can reasonably do that's going to do more than be a band aid. Um, and and Nick Foles would not be the answer for me. I'm not sure that he's an improvement over the guys that you already have there. Um, I, I just I don't feel like that's an answer to the problem at all. I feel like that was Frank Reich on display. Really, was Nick Foles' best days was a lot of what makes Frank Reich great, not necessarily what make made Nick Foles a compelling quarterback. Right. And I, I agree with you. I think it would be unwise. I think it'd be, I don't know what the exact expression is borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, whatever. Um, if you went out and traded for somebody else, because nobody who you're going to be willing to or able to acquire for even a third, fourth round pick is not going to be somebody that's going to be legitimately sustainable. Um, in terms of annoying Colts storylines, how many Colts fans believe that Jacob Eason or that Sam Ellinger, I'm a fight in Texas Aggie. So I, can tell you that Sam Ellinger, hey, I mean, enjoy what you want. Uh, but uh, but how many people believe, you know, there's, there are there are always those comments at our sites and we love our communities at SB Nation. But, you know, I'm sure you've seen one or two like I'm telling you guys, Sam Ellinger is the truth. Like, watch out. This this is his opportunity now. Like, is there a do you, could you can you even talk yourself into maybe believing either of those ideas? Uh, there's definitely a camp of Colts fans that are all in for Eason season. They, they think that's a thing that's going to happen for sure. Um, they tend to be similar in the type of, of people who are really sure that, that uh, Jacoby Brissett was the man and that he was getting ripped off by not getting more time. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We just haven't really seen much of him. I mean, he, he didn't even get a chance to practice. I know he struggled in the first few days at camp, which doesn't mean everything, but he is not a mobile quarterback. He's a crazy arm. Um, I have some serious questions about him. There's a reason why the Colts, I mean, the Colts kind of talk up all of their players and there's a reason why they've been very measured in the way that they've talked about Jacob Eason, because I just don't think that they believe he's the answer and they don't want to put that kind of pressure on him where people think that that's, I mean, they talk glowingly about Jacoby Brissett. And then when they would talk about Jacob Eason, they would say, okay, but cool down on Jacob Eason guys like yeah we get it he we drafted him but um they glow about all their draft picks and then they push the brakes on Jacob Eason and I don't know whether that was just uh for his benefit to kind of take some of the hype off of him the quarterback position is viewed differently obviously by fans and so maybe that's to help him out but I mean when you are that uh pulled back on your player um it tells me that they don't necessarily believe in him as the guy but we don't always know that that means anything. I mean, you get a guy in a game situation, maybe he lights it up and looks great. And maybe maybe this is a great thing for Jacob Eason um, because maybe he has a chance to shine. Do I think he's going to turn into that guy that's a long-term answer? I don't. Um, I didn't particularly enjoy his college film when I watched it, but uh, some of the things that he did, I just I, I wasn't super excited about. But, I mean, we see quarterbacks all the time that they get that chance and they take advantage of it. And that would be wonderful. Uh, there'd be, that would be the best case scenario for Colts fans is to see this guy come out of nowhere and just play great. 
Um, I'm not holding my breath for it. Best case scenario, maybe Jacob Eason can get himself several more years as a backup quarterback, get himself paid uh, and make some money long term. But as far as uh, a long term answer for for the Colts, I don't think he's it. Oh, wow. Rough moment for Jacob Eason here on the Espionation NFL show. Uh, two two last ones for you, Chris. Uh, my first is who who is impacted the most by this? And and that could be like positively or negatively uh, in the sense of is, is Michael Pittman's career the most impacted by this? And and I know we're talking about Carson Wentz could be back week two, week three, whatever. I mean, it could it could potentially not be a big deal. Is it Frank Reich is is Frank Reich's least shortened because of this. Is it uh, Colts fans with regards to Matt Eberflus? I, I cover the Cowboys. So I love Coach Flus, and so may, maybe this is it. Maybe Coach Flus is ready to leave if he does get that head coaching opportunity next year. Like where where is the the this domino impacts who the most? What what is the secondary domino falling uh, that will really be felt in terms of uh, most widespread impact among Colts fans? Well, I'll give you two because I think the biggest impact right out of the gate is going to be a positive one for. Um, Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. Those guys are going to get more carries because you're not going to put a lot of pressure on a rookie quarterback or a second year quarterback who's not played any NFL snaps. So those guys who are already probably going to bear a pretty heavy load, I think they're going to be positively impacted. Probably Naheem Hines as well. Both, uh, All of those three guys are going to be in the rotation. They're going to get lots of, of touches on the ball, and that's good for all of them. Uh, and it's a really talented backfield, so that's probably good in general for the Colts. Um, to take some pressure off that may actually make whoever is taking those snaps look a lot better because they may have to do a little bit less um, by contrast if they play badly they may not have as many touches on the ball to uh, make themselves look good if the running backs are, are carrying a lot of that load but I do think Michael Pittman is probably the guy who gets negatively affected the most he he's looked good in camp he had a good rapport with Carson Wentz he worked out with him several times in the offseason and um, he he looks like he's that guy maybe ready to take a step um, I think somebody like Paris Campbell, if he can stay healthy, is probably not as affected because he can do those short crossers and things where you can get a, get the ball in his hands and let him make plays. So maybe that doesn't impact his impact, uh, his his contribution to the game. T.Y. Hilton, I don't think the expectation is too high. Um, but I would say, yeah, I, I would say that that Michael Pittman is probably the guy who stands to lose the most if you don't have uh, a quarterback who can really get him the ball consistently. Um, I will say that the thing that you do kind of expect from um, you know, from the quarterback play that you've got now, you they can take some deep shots. Um, mm-hmm. Jacob Eason can throw the ball deep, so that's not necessarily going to be off. Maybe maybe I'll be totally wrong, and what he's going to be the guy who needs the jump ball specialist, and Michael Pittman does great. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if he if he takes a little bit of a, a dip in terms of production if it has to be Eason for a while. Um, and I'm discounting Sam Ellinger. That's probably unfair. I mean, maybe he maybe he shines in camp and gets a chance to get out there and they, they like what he brings to the table more. Um, I, I think both are just such unknowns this early on in camp that it just leaves us not really knowing a whole lot. I think there's an interesting domino effect with regards to the preseason, because if Carson Wentz is healthy, Jacob Easton's playing a whole lot more in the preseason, you know given that he's not the team starting quarterback for the beginning of the season. Now, mm-hmm. now they're, they're, everything is is incredibly impacted in that sense. Uh, some people, Chris, are saying that Carson Wentz is, uh, is is calling this karma because Michael Pittman would not give up number 11, and now he's the most negatively impacted uh, throughout all players on the Colts offense. You gave me two. Uh, my last question for you is technically a double one. Um, what were your expectations for the Colts this season prior to Thursday's news with Carson Wentz? And what are they now? You know, did, did you think this team was going to challenge for an AFC South title? Do you still think they can do that? Did you think that now you don't? Where, where do you land on that spectrum? I think they were always going to be in contention for an AFC South title. That's uh, not a great division. Uh, I expect I'm, I'm a lot lower on the Titans than a lot of people. And I'm a lot higher on the Jaguars than a lot of people. Um, 
I think there's going to be a pretty good mix in amongst those three teams competing. And I'm sorry, Texans fans. I just don't think there's a whole lot of hope for you. Um, I just, I think that's going to be a rough go for the Texans this year, but there's, there's a relatively easy schedule. Um, the Colts have a, a, a potential to have an excellent defense. It depends on a lot of things that happen on, uh, on the defense as far as younger players, but I really like what they've got there. I expect them to finish. Honestly, I expected them to be fighting for a wild card spot. Probably. Um, if it a lot would have depended on Carson Wentz uh, and how he plays early, but I expected them to be in wild card contention, even if he was a mediocre quarterback uh, with him gone. I'm not sure that it affects it much. I, I wasn't really crediting him for a whole lot. I was kind of expecting um, my expectation maybe to protect myself was to, uh, to hope that Frank Reich was able to mitigate his impact. And that if he was above that, if he was playing out of his mind, great. And, and I'm going to be blown away and excited, but uh, more that I was hoping that you know the Colts would probably be on the borderline of a wild card team, uh, assuming that Wentz is not playing terrible, and um, and then without him, I mean, I don't know. The problem with this team is that they're good enough to be a six win team. I think even if their quarterback is basically, um, I mean, with Jacob Eason as quarterback and doing poorly, I still think they're a team that could probably win five to six games, and uh, that's not great because that's going to be unentertaining football and leave them out of the range of drafting somebody who could replace them. So um, that's probably my projection now is that if, if Carson Wentz gets back on the early end, I still think he's impacted early and I would guess they probably just miss a wild card spot. If he is, um, if he's back and he looks great and he looks like, you know, the version of Carson Wentz we've seen from time to time and he can stay healthy, then, you know, maybe they're a 10 win team, but that's, that's about the the distance I've got in my mind is a any six to 10 win range dependent upon uh, his availability. I think that's well said, you know, every year uh, seemingly or every other year just kind of depends. There's, there's that team that has this kind of subpar quarterback play. It's got one of the best defenses in the NFL. Sometimes things line up. They play in a really poor division. You could look at last year's Washington team as an example of that. You could kind of see the Colts being that and, and kind of being, you know, nitty and gritty. Maybe the Titans do fall off. Like you said, maybe the Jaguars challenge, uh, but that's kind of it. And the AFC I think is the superior conference, but the AFC South is certainly the most winnable division in it. Um, Carson Wentz, Having surgery, Chris Blystone from Stampede Blue, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Final thoughts. It could be about anything. It could be about your McDonald's for lunch. I mean, uh, you know, whatever you want, Chris. The floor is yours as you uh, as you depart. Uh, my final thoughts would be don't have McDonald's for lunch if you can <laughs> avoid it. That's not an ideal. Um, sorry, sorry, McDonald's. You do what you do. But, uh, yeah, that would, that would not be my ideal setup. But I, I just – I hope that we have a fun year for Colts fans. I really do. I hope if nothing else – I mean, there was nothing more unenjoyable – than some of the years where we've had a backup quarterback uh, at the reins. Um, it's not always about winning. Uh, I know that, you know, not every team is going to win the Super Bowl every year. It ought to at least be about fun. And I'm hopeful that some of the weapons the Colts have, uh, Paris Campbell maybe can stay healthy. Marlon Mack stays healthy. There's certainly a lot of ability to have a fun year. And that's irrespective of whether Carson Wentz is uh, in or out. And at least we get to watch football, which is back. So um, such as it is. Yeah, I really like what you said there. Um, as as the person at SB Nation who covers the Dallas Cowboys, it's my job to always make everything about the Dallas Cowboys. But uh, but I can tell you, I mean, five years ago, you know, Kellen Moore broke his ankle, and everybody thought, what's going to happen if Tony Romo goes down? 
Um, and obviously, Tony Romo did go down, um, ironically, in Seattle, who I know the Colts play week one. Um, and everything changed. Not just, I mean, people, people look at that as, you know, well, that was Dak Prescott's introduction to the NFL, but that set Kellen Moore on the path that he took to ultimately, you know, currently becoming the Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator. So you never know what could happen. Maybe Sam Ellinger will be coordinating a Jacob Eason led offense in five years. I mean, um, it, it could happen, certainly. Uh, Chris, thanks so much. Uh, they'll keep you co- uh, covered and updated over at stampyblue.com. Thanks a lot, man. Have a healthy that, uh, dinner. Nothing but greens yeah, and, right. and stuff Salad. that tastes gross. Exactly. Right. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for Chris. having me. Have a good one, man. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Good times here on the SB Nation NFL show. Chris Blystone, once again, Stampy Blue, your home for Indianapolis Colts content at SB Nation. I mentioned uh, this is new. We are live streaming our episodes uh, throughout this football season. Football's back. Obviously, the preseason launches this week with the aforementioned Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday. That game's on Fox, the Pro Football Hall of Fame game. We'll have you covered at blogontheboys.com. And because we're streaming, that means that we are here live. We appreciate those of you who have joined us live. Shout out to Bill Hall, today's MVP on our stream pete sweeney my co-host here on monday football monday is not here uh but the show must go on whether pete's here or not uh other injuries that i think we should pay attention to obviously in the nfl there's a lot happening uh it feels like football action is coming 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 and in case you did not know we do have the nfl daily kickoff every day where we catch you up on all the news because there is a lot to take note of but we found out on monday that philadelphia eagles rookie wide receiver Devontae smith is expected to miss two to three weeks with an mcl injury not ideal i don't think this is a big deal um but obviously you want your first round pick out there obviously Devonte smith is somebody who the eagles are counting on although obviously uh the philadelphia eagles who now have nick sirianni formerly of the indianapolis colts um aren't really going to contend this year but still unideal but not anything to worth panic or uh, to worth panic excuse me whatever to panic over words are difficult something that i do think is worth mentioning um in an interesting sense back to the kind of power struggle or power construct in the afc um the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, we found out, obviously, recently that they are dealing with some injuries at the wide receiver position. Uh, and it doesn't seem like things are getting better there. Baltimore Ravens head coach John Harbaugh said that Marquise Brown, who has missed the last three practices, is dealing with a hamstring injury. Now, that's not great. Um in general, right? You don't want to hear that wide receivers are dealing with hamstring injuries. But what's more is Marquise Brown's hamstring injury is worse than was initially thought. That is a red flag sort of situation. Uh, Very fast wide receiver, hamstring injury being worse than we thought. 
nope, not about it. Uh, also, rookie wide receiver Rashad Bateman has muscle toughness going on. I think that we all obviously believe to a certain degree in the Baltimore Ravens, but um, for some reason, I just am now getting the sense that um, – the Baltimore Ravens, at least my own personal assessment, is I might be lower on them. I think they may be sneaking as like the third wild card, but I, I, I initially a month or so ago, maybe even before that, had them challenging uh, for the AFC North title. But they just, I mean, they're already not well equipped or well stocked at the wide receiver position. So losing two dudes, I know it's still early, is um, is unideal. Uh, last note uh, to kind of take note of. Um, said the word note several times new york giants head coach joe judge who is definitely a huge football guy uh noted that running back saquon barkley is making quote tangible progress now i'd be very curious to see how joe judge can measure this tangible process because i don't know if he knows what the word tangible means uh but nevertheless uh saquon seemingly on the mend uh but you know, as much tangible progress as Saquon Barkley is seemingly making for the G-Men, the Giants also did bring back veteran running back Alfred Morris, which has me, I don't really have a goatee, but stroking the old goatee and wondering if the situation with Saquon is totally fine, why do the Giants have to bring in Alfred Morris? The Giants are dealing with a lot of things. Guards, starting guards, Shane Lemieux is um, is now... Uh, not going to be out for a terrible amount of time, has the injury that we found out about last week, but the Giants did bring in Joe Looney, Alfred Morris and Joe Looney, both players that offensive coordinator Jason Garrett had uh, during his time with the Dallas Cowboys, but they are now both members of the New York Giants. Um, and so, I don't know, this is um, this is definitely something that I think uh, we got to pay attention to. But speaking of pay attention, or paying attention, I was going to say pay attentioning to things, I need to pay attention, and to do that, I am bringing in my number one main man, the legendary, the iconic, the dapper, Pete Sweeney, finally has joined us here on Monday, Football Monday. Pedro, how goes it? You look great, my man. Yeah, thank you. It, it feels good. I just got back to Kansas City from a little town they call St. Joseph, Missouri. Nobody That's cares. Where Missouri Western State University is, uh, home of the home of the the Griffins and right now the back-to-back AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs who are getting mm. ready uh, to Only try to have won back-to-back those AFC titles right hashtag, hashtag back-to-back Super Bowl titles hashtag right? take it back uh, as I've told you before uh, one thing that does fascinate me is just how big the rings are nowadays compared to 1996 when the Cowboys uh, won their last Super Bowl but uh no it's been good um, it's nice to be back on the podcast with you it's been a while I think since we've, since we've done this right and the live stream especially that's right. Uh, I was telling everybody that was here early uh, because you were not that we will now be live streaming every episode of Monday Football Monday. And I told them how appropriate it was that in That's doing right. this, that you were late for the very first one. Um, and <laughs> well, so- I blame I'd like to, I, it, you know, not too much blame here, but the, the Chiefs ran a little bit late today with media. I, again, it's an hour south of, of my my home here. So, yeah, that, that's what happened. But it's good to finally be here. I'm happy to be here. Uh, what did you observe at Chiefs practice on Monday, Pete? This better be great. I mean, for all the delays and mm-hmm. problems you caused, this better be really See, good. This, you'll be happy that you asked this question for the first time maybe ever because Patrick Mahomes threw three interceptions at practice today. Uh, a little bit of rust, I think, for the offense. So plenty of the work on there. But it's a, a good sign for the Chiefs defense, which is young and up and coming. And that's the side of the football, especially when you talk about Kansas City, that if there's any question, it's probably on the defensive side. So good for them to have a, a nice Monday to start the week. Um, 
on the note or on the subject, I've said the word note several times in the last three minutes um, of the defensive side of the ball, that the people that are listening to the podcast, we love our podcast listeners. Make sure you do subscribe to the Espionation NFL show, leave a rating, write a review, et cetera, et cetera. But Pete Sweeney, your background behind you is in fact an ode to the Kansas City defense. That's right. Uh, Steve Spagnola, when we're still doing Zooms, like we're now, we're now in person, uh, which is outstanding. But when we were doing Zooms, I had a lot of offensive stuff up here because, you know, the Kansas City offense is, is why they've been involved and, and in the mix for championships these last few years. And so there was a lot of Patrick Mahomes things. I just get sent a lot. Uh, and Steve Spagnola, the defensive coordinator, said that uh, my background did not have enough defense in it. And so we put up some of the greater defensive players in the history of the Chiefs. We have our, our defense uh, sign here. And so now we are a defensive friendly podcast here on Monday Football Monday. Mm, nice. Um, well, before we get to uh, another big, seemingly story in the National Football League, Pete, I had told everybody on the live show, but those have come in late, um, how we are going to be live streaming every episode this season on the SB Nation NFL show. We have a new catalog of shows. We are back to normal starting this week because football's back. Monday right. Football Monday on Mondays. Uh, I I think the notes say the off day debrief on Tuesday, Pete. I was here by myself earlier. I didn't know if you know if they're actually doing this or if it's just like to make stats and BLG feel good. But um, I yeah, guess we'll see I, what, tomorrow. What I would do is is maybe maybe take a look and, and see if they do a show tomorrow. We we do know one thing about that show in particular. It's the B show. And so mm-hmm. hopefully they can do a nice job. If if you're catching one show a week, of course, it's going to be Monday Football Monday, which we know. But yeah, give them a throw them a bone, right? Throw them a bone on Tuesday. Right. NFL University on Wednesday. That is the school that if Pete Sweeney were on Sunday Night Football, he would note um, his Mm -hmm. credit for education on Thursdays. The look ahead where you can hear my beautiful baritone voice once more with Rob Stats Guerrera. And on Friday, NFL reacts. Make sure to go like the SB Nation NFL Facebook page. Follow the SB Nation NFL Twitter account uh, because football's back and we're feeling good. We have a lot going on. Pete Sweeney, do you feel overwhelmed with they're like you turn on the TV these days? I was telling you yeah. about, you know, some stuff I'm doing with my TV setup, uh, off, as they say, offline. And it's just like everywhere I look, there's NFL content happening everywhere. Yeah, it it is a lot. Uh, it's a lot. And, and I, I think with the entire coronavirus year and everything that happened with that, you could tell that the league is really putting an emphasis on this training camp in particular. I think it was last Saturday when they had the roundabout 32 teams all doing training camp together at the same time, and you're seeing a lot of that coverage on NFL Network. ESPN, of course, is heavily involved in this. And so, yeah, it's a lot of football workouts. It's a lot of coverage that we're getting from all angles, and I think that's a good thing. I think this is going to be one of the more exciting years in the NFL in its history because – there was such a, a different feel last year with no fans and not being able to really to go out and watch games and whatnot. And so I think this is going to be an NFL crazy year for fans. Right on. Uh, well, fans of the Buffalo Bills might be a little bit upset, Pete Sweeney. Now we know that the Bills, with all that wagon circling that they have done, want mm-hmm. themselves a new stadium. Everybody wants a new stadium. Everybody wants these whole 21st century, you know, palaces and whatnot i mean they're all beautiful to look at the bills want a new stadium on sunday uh which was my mom's birthday by the way shout out to my mom happy birthday Birthday. um espn seth wickersham had a note that noted again i've just been that's been my word of the day here um an ownership source tells me is seth's tweet that austin is a possible destination talking about the bills of course or threat put in between the dashes i mean so or threat really is highlighted here as one of the quote other cities elsewhere that desire an nfl franchise and would pay 
handsomely, just like you, Pete Sweeney, for it. Uh, Austin recently got its first ever Austin-based professional sports team, the MLS team uh, that is based out of Austin, Austin FC now, which Matthew McConaughey owns. He is almost as handsome as you, Pete. Um, mm. And so now Austin's in the mix for the Bills, seemingly, um, or at least is, you know, now uh, it, um, it used to be Los Angeles. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, it, it, it used to be uh, L.A., but that every team would use as a threat to get their new stadium until the Rams and Chargers finally went there. Austin is now, it's a very, you know, hip, modern, progressive city in the great Republic of Texas, the best state out of all 50 in the United States. And um, do you buy this? Do, do you buy that the Bills would actually pack up and head south, not just for the winter, but for permanency? Well, no, I I don't see the Buffalo Bills ever moving from Buffalo, but where I will say, uh, and something I like about this is I think an Austin NFL team would be outstanding. I, Impossible. I just, I think the, the more, the more franchises we can get sports wise, uh, in Austin, the better home of us uh, really good barbecue, probably the second best barbecue in the world, Texas, uh, especially Austin salt lick barbecue. If you ever had a chance to, to go there, they do a good really job Pete, well. letting everybody know of a restaurant that's not super world famous or anything thank you for that appreciate yeah that. so if you ever get down to austin uh in addition to seeing the austin bills get yourself to salt lick again uh, if you guys te- ever go to, to italy by the way get get yourself a nice pizza pie here they're good texas uh for sure the uh, number two barbecue in the world so definitely want to check that out if you can if i was the nfl i would almost come back at the bills and be like this is a terrible threat you know, like I actually think that Canada is a better threat for the Bills. They've the Toronto played, Bills, right? They've played home games yeah. in Canada before, um, as part of the NFL's whole stuff. Um, I mean that because, like, this isn't even practical, right? Like Austin, you know, it's this is clearly a money grab. The the Canada, you know, Toronto, where yeah. Ontario, pick one. Um, that would at least make some sense because then you're still in the same geographic area. And I think it's an even larger threat because you're talking about moving. And I think, it, I mean, maybe it's actually too good of a threat because the NFL it's, might see it and be like, we definitely yeah. want to be, we want to be like the NHL and the NBA and MLB and have a team based in Canada. If you do end up going to Toronto, make sure you check out Tim Hortons donut mm-hmm. shop up there in, in Canada. They do have uh, good coffee and donuts. So depending on where the bills do move to, again, Austin, we said Salt Lake, and then Toronto, uh, you're going to want to go to Tim Hortons. I don't think the the bills are moving out of Buffalo. But uh, yeah, when when teams want new stuff and they want tax breaks and whatnot, you're going to have to see some of these things coming through. The Bills fans would be very, very upset if they ever lost this team. I mean, I've seen a little bit of it, and it's a completely different story in the state of Missouri where – uh, St. Louis football fans, not a ton of them root for the Chiefs. They've kind of just sworn off the NFL and hate the Rams altogether. And so I, I could sense something similar in Buffalo. Like I, if, if they were to ever lose the Bills, I could never see uh, any of these teams jumping on like the Jets or Giants bandwagon. I think they just would be upset with the NFL and root for the Buffalo Sabres of the NHL. Um, okay. Thank you. By the way, letting us know about Tim Hortons. If you guys ever go to California, check out in and out uh, official recommendation of Pete Sweeney. Uh, yeah. Real hole in California, the wall. California has got a, a lot of good food. We know about uh, wine country and yeah, in and out 
Whataburger. I know there's been a, a debate uh, for a long time. I tend to really just like five guys. I know it's probably a hot take, but I think five guys might be better than all of them. Uh, Pete, outside of your obviously great and delicious food takes, yeah. um, any other takeaways that you've had from the first full week of training camp across the Football League of National? Well, I know that you talked about this extensively with Indianapolis, but at this point, I think the biggest takeaway I have for the start of training camp is, man, can Chris Ballard, who has Kansas City origins, catch a break with this quarterback situation where you have Andrew Luck and he decides he's going to retire way early and, and then you have Phillip Rivers and we just talked about the Buffalo Bills. Hate to be a truther here when it comes to the Buffalo Bills, but if Phillip Rivers maybe played a little bit better, they might have beaten the Bills in that playoff game. And so Phillip Rivers just wasn't enough. And now they're taking a little bit of a risk on Carson Wentz and getting him back in the mix. He's already a player that we know essentially had to be rebuilt mentally. And they were really working on it. And, he, and if there's any quarterback or to be starter in the league, he's the one that could have used these reps. And now uh, we don't even know if it's good. What is this? By the way, five to 12 weeks. I've been seeing this. Like, is this like the cable guy coming in? Yeah, I'll, I'll get you know, between. Uh, 5 a.m. and 12 p.m. Like, how do we have not uh, a more specific timetable for, for Carson Wentz? Anyway, my heart goes out to Chris Ballard, who's the ultimate good dude. I think he's a, an excellent team builder, and he just keeps running into these unlucky quarterback situations, and I feel for him. Sure. Um, you know, that's not outlandish, but, I mean, they also – this one was their own doing. Right, like the other ones were were there were not necessarily their fault, but this one, I mean, they made this bid. Um, so I mean, forgive me well, for not. You, you they, know. they didn't. I mean, what are you talking about? That the other ones were unlucky. Well, they traded <laughs> for Carson Wentz, like knowing well, yeah, his but, injury history. Yeah, but yeah, but this is a new injury, is it not? I mean, still, I mean, like it's you know a, a broken clock's right twice a day kind of thing. Like you know this. This was a situation that it was fair to want nothing to do. Fantasy stock. I mean, this is going to be a running team, at least the beginning of the season. His fantasy stock just went through the roof. Yeah, I know. We know that from the interview that we had with Chris Blystone that you were definitely here for. Appreciate that, Pete Sweeney. Uh, (laughs) So um, came in a little late today. Uh, um, Rough start on the first live stream. I will tell you that a takeaway I have had is I feel like the Steelers are trying to convince us that everything's fine. Right, like we're the same. Everything's good. Big Ben. Um, I saw a, a take somewhere. I forget exactly where, uh, but that Najee Harris is already a, a more patient runner than Le'Veon Bell. Like it just this feels like we're we're trying to be sold the hype, you know. And I just I don't I'm not not down with that. Um, and I really feel like the bottom is coming out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like I think they could start the season off like zero and three, and then things are going to get rough. I think it's just rare for a team to have a fall off like the Steelers did and then to then go to the next year and then all of a sudden they're supposed to have this come up back to before they Mm. fell off I mean how often do you ever see that sequence it's like never and so I'd be very very surprised if the Steelers win that division I'd be somewhat surprised if they make the postseason I I think this is sort of the end of the Ben Roethlisberger experience I watched it last year Uh, He is uh, a player to me in the twilight of his career. And I think this is a season that they missed the postseason and that'll be the end of Big Ben. And then they'll be trying to turn the page like some of these other teams that don't have a quarterback. Yeah, it feels like um, do you watch in um, Indiana Jones and in I think it's called the the last one, the Crystal Skull one. Raiders of the Lost Ark. No, that's not the last one. I'm talking about the one with Shia LaBeouf. 
the the mm-hmm. like the fourth one. You know what I'm talking about? But they steal the Declaration of the Independence. Right, exactly. Uh, Nicholas Cage was great in this movie. Actually, this is applicable to anything. Like you know how they remake stuff now? They just take, hey Pete, what are the hundred movies you loved when you were a kid? We're gonna remake it. We're gonna we're gonna pick up where everything left off. We don't well, want to see this. I, you know, I like, don't like. The thing I don't that is right. How many times have they done freaking Batman? Right, and then. Okay, they, they do before, the Dark Knight. Before, wait, before we get off on way like, too deep, we're gonna make more Batman's after the okay. best version of it. Anyway, enough. Okay, before we get before we lose track of things, Pete, we've already had to put this together with duct tape and glue. Um, so before we get way too into the weeds, this is kind of like that. Like this feels to me like the fourth Indiana Jones movie. Like they're just trying to recreate the magic that was the original trilogy. No one asked you know, like Ben Affleck, man. <laughs> you know what I'm mean? with you. I actually think that that's a good comp. Um, ben, like Ben Roethlisberger in 2021 is like Ben Affleck as Batman in the Justice League movie. That's kind of how I feel about this. Yeah, like you don't you don't need it, and we're not even talking about Ben Affleck off the field in this Benifer situation. I, you're, you're not getting the old thing back, Big Ben. It's over. I mean, the the, the thing's over. I, I think it's time to move on. Um, I think it's time to go because <laughs> this Pete, you've come back. I, I can't even describe uh, all of the <laughs> sectors that you have touched, uh, but this has been, uh, right. we landed this bird, all right? You know, we started the mission solo. Pete uh, parachuted upward. He, he uh, you know, he reversed gravity and got Why up on not? the plane. It's a new year. You're right. I'll give myself the come up of the week to start the year, right? I mean, this is where it's a new, it's a new year. It's a new season. Congratulations to myself. Uh, Pete Tweeney, the first winner of the come up of the week here on the SB Nation NFL show. Chris Blystone, our yeet of the week uh, for joining us, for being on time. Uh, Thank you to everybody who tuned into the live stream. Thank you to all of you who listen. Make sure to vote for the SB Nation NFL show. Pete Tweeney, have you voted for us? We are up for an award. Did you have did you know this? What what, What award are we up for? I'm so sad that you do not know the answer to this. Don't you want to win an award? Don't you want some championship bling? Is, is it a Webby? Are we up for a Webby? We are not up for a Webby. We are up for a People's Choice Award nomination. You can head over to the Vox Media Twitter handle, which like is the Nickelodeon Blimp. Vox Media. Uh, you can go to podcastawards.com. We are up for an award, the SB Nation NFL show. We all work very hard, those of us that aren't named. I see named we have Tweeney. a new logo on this, too, up here. You see this new logo? Yeah, Pete, we've all, you know, that's all the meetings we had, all the conversations, everything that we put together is for a reason. You know, look at that. Yeah. Uh, So everybody vote for the SB Nation NFL show. Subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. If you have a question, a comment, or specifically a point of criticism for Pete Sweeney, we will answer it on our shows. The NFL Daily Kickoff airs every day. Tomorrow you get the Oddcast with Rob Stats Guerrera and Brandon Lee Godden. He is Pete Tweeney from ArrowheadPride.com, your home for Kansas City Chiefs coverage. I am RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys, your home for coverage of the Super Bowl 56 champions, the Dallas Cowboys. Pete, any last words? You got the last words, and then we're signing off. So make these words incredible, because we're literally leaving as soon as you say them. Turkey, bacon, club, combo, Tim Hortons. I'll see you there. Peace. <laughs>